Good morning, guys. Welcome. Like Parker said, my name is Josh. I'm happy to be here this morning and talking to you guys. And if I haven't met you, I'd love to meet you at some point. Um, like Parker said, we're a couple weeks into our Love One Another series. And I just want to take a minute or two to just refocus on why we're doing this series. Why love one another? Okay? Um, because a few things. We want to learn how to do relationships well. We want to be transformed by love. We want to be transformed by the love of God. We want to build and strengthen our faith, our families, and our friendships. And why is this important? Well, because Jesus says it was. Jesus said it was. And he told us to love one another. It, it was his command to his followers, his friends. And love one another. He said, love one another as I have loved you. And so how are we doing this? How are we going to do this? How are we going to grow in this? Well, one aspect, again, is this Sunday morning series. Another is our our daily journal, our love one another journal. Hopefully everyone has one of those. I think there's a couple more out in the, in the, uh, on the info table out in the, in the foyer there. Um, grab one of those if you don't have one. And then again, uh, another way is these, these small groups, these life groups that we're doing six weeks. Um, and so it's really focused on our relationships and discussing relational di- dynamics. And so again, if you can only make it to just one of these, come to that. If you can make it to all of them, great. I didn't make it this past week. So we had stuff going on, but this is like the best way for us to grow in community as a church, you know, to grow with one another, go deep with one another, share the deepest things in our, in our lives. And so, so those are some different ways, but, but how are you going to grow in this? How are you going to grow in this? Is really, it's up to you, you know? Um, it's your choice to enter in and be transformed by God in your relationships and the way that you relate to others. We're setting a table. We're, we're, we're making available these different things um, you know, and, but it's up to you to sit at it. It's up to you to engage with God in this and be vulnerable and be willing to be changed and to have your mindset changed, willing to take responsibility, to do hard work, to clean up messes, to, to you know, it's up to each one of us to do these things. And, you know, no one can do it for you. You got to do it yourself to do this deep internal work with Jesus. And so this morning, again, I'm going to be talking about growing in communication. Um, the goals of today's message are just number one, understanding the heart of God when it comes to communication. You know, understanding God's model of communication, looking at Jesus as our model. Number two is, is communicating, the communication dance. And uh, looking how we communicate, you know, practically looking at how this thing works and getting the right goal of communication. And then the third thing is protecting healthy communication. I don't know if you know this, but communication is a vitally important process in our relationships with one another. From new acquaintances, to friendships, to our spouses, to our children, um, relationship, you know, how we communicate and what we're communicating is, is important. You know, in relationships, good or poor communication along with how and what we're communicating can usually make or break a relationship. And so many people will learn over time that there's few things that will mess with your relationships like poor communication. So let me say this before I go further. There are messages that we share um, when we teach or preach um, that come from different places, different experiences. Sometimes the topics are ones that are, you know, we've studied, we've taken a long time, we've taken, you've gone deep in them. Uh, others are burning on our hearts. Others are from inspiration or prophetic revelation or direction. And sometimes things are just assigned to us, you know, in a message series. That's not today. But sometimes we share a message because, it's something that we need to hear ourselves. And that's probably, no, definitely where this message lands for me. Like, I need to hear this message, okay? 
I'm a work in progress. I need to hear this message today. And so that's why, you know, I'm sharing it. Um, if you ask anyone who really knows me well, um, they will easily tell you, and maybe in not so nice language, that I am a work in progress. I'm a work in progress. When it comes to communicating, when it comes to doing that well and with love and tenderness, I desire to communicate well. I desire to image the Father in the way that I speak and what I'm speaking, but um, I don't always do it well, and I fail sometimes, and I got messes that I got to clean up sometimes and repent for those things, and um, my desire is to be transformed in my inner being. And I found out the hard way that this doesn't happen by a Holy Spirit zap. It doesn't happen by a Holy Spirit zap. It doesn't happen overnight after you've read a good book on communication or um, you know, done, took a class or anything like that. It happens by doing the deep inner work over time. You know, it takes time. Being intentional, reflecting, receiving feedback, asking how well am I doing in this thing to people who you communicate with the most. Taking responsibility, repenting, cleaning up messes, being vulnerable, embracing intimacy. So yeah, I just want to be honest before sharing a message on communication. I really wanted my wife to share this message because she's way better at it than I am. Um, but leading worship and doing a message is a lot. Oh, same morning. Um, but I, I have some things that I need to unlearn when it comes to communication. So before I go further, let me just pray. Jesus, help us. Amen. <laughs> that's it. That's it. You know, that's the easy prayer right there. Jesus, help me. I need it. Perfect place to start, I think, the message about communication, I believe, is looking at the heart of the Father because he's the best communicator. He's the best communicator. So let's take a little time to help us in understanding the heart of God when it comes to communication. The heart of God is overflowing with love. Overflowing with love. God exists in a never-ending dance of love. The Father, Son, and the Spirit living in unity with one another before time as we know it began, and this love is going to continue far into the future, and it's never going to end. Okay? And they've chosen you and I to be in that dance of love with them. They've chosen that, that you and I would be in this dance, that we would be their partners in this dance. They wanted that. God loves us. From the beginning of the world, he's expressed that love again and again and again and again. Through creation, through the land, through skies, seas, and everything in them, it's a great tapestry, beautiful artwork. It's an expression of himself and his great love for us. He's communicated this great love. He's declared it by his words, his works, and his faithfulness time and time again. The problem is that the way that God has communicated with us, the way that he does communicate with us, it's been attacked. It's been attacked by the enemy. The enemy has lied, he's distorted. The way that we receive God's love so much that we doubt it sometimes. So much that we doubt it sometimes. The enemy did this a long time ago, and since then, the way we communicate with God and with one another has been filtered through pain and through lies and through these different things, and it's been twisted by the enemy in so many different ways. Starting in the garden, God communicated actually everything humanity needed to know. He told them everything he needed to know. He was in relationship with them. He wasn't holding anything back. But the enemy crept in and he fed lies to humanity and said that God was actually holding out, that he wasn't sharing everything with them. And so they stepped out of the covering of truth 
when humanity did that, we found ourselves uncovered and lacking. We weren't lacking before, but when we stepped away from truth, the person of truth, right? We found ourselves lacking and we tried to hide and fill that hole in all sorts of different ways. And if we look through scripture, we see this play out again and again throughout the story. God speaks, he acts, people don't understand or they misinterpret or they do their own thing or they buy into lies or they're afraid or they latch onto untruth. But at the same time, we also see that through the distortion, through the ups and downs, especially in the people of Israel's relationship with God, he, he keeps, he's, keeps coming to them. He keeps declaring his love to them over and over again. He keeps sharing his heart over and over again. And then in the fullness of time, God decided he's done trying to communicate through a veil. And so he steps in and he says, I'm going to speak as clearly as I can to you now. And how does he do that? Through Jesus. God loves the world so much he comes to it. He becomes one of us. Jesus is God's perfect communication. Jesus is God's perfect communication. The word of God made flesh. John 1, 1 through 2 says, In the beginning, the word, the living expression, Jesus, was already there. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. They were together face to face in the beginning. And it goes on to say, The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The clearest communication that God can have with humanity is by becoming one of us and dwelling among us. Jesus is the language of God. Jesus is the language of God. Jesus is the fullness of God's communication to the world. He's everything that can be said about the heart of God on display. He's the exact imprint of his nature. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3 says, throughout history, throughout our history, God has spoken to our ancestors by his prophets in many ways. The revelation he gave them was only a fragment at a time, building upon one truth upon another. But to us, living in these last days, God now speaks to us openly in the language of a son, the appointed heir of everything, for through him God created the panorama of all things on all time. The son is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor, the exact expression of God's true nature, his mirror image. That's a passion translation. What the writer is saying here is that if you've seen and heard Jesus, You've seen and heard the Father. Jesus tells his disciples the same thing at the Last Supper. In John 14, 6 through 10, Jesus explained, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No one comes next to the Father except through union with me. To know me is to know my Father too. And from now on, you'll realize that you've seen him and experienced him. And Philip speaks up. He says, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be all that we need. Philip says, just communicate God to us. Just translate God to us. And what's Jesus' response? Jesus replies, Philip, I've been with you this whole time, and you still don't know who I am? How could you ask me to show you the Father? For anyone who's looked at me has seen the Father. Don't you believe the Father is living in me, that I'm living in the Father? Even my words are not my own, but come from my Father. For he lives in me and performs his miracles of power through me. You've got to listen to Jesus. He's God's clearest communication. Listening to Jesus, Jesus was a masterful communicator. He spoke through words, parables, teachings. He explained the deep things of the kingdom to his disciples, his friends. Jesus communicated with, he connected with people. He connected to their hearts. He shared his heart with them. People were drawn to him. He showed individual care and interest with them. He was assertive in his communication. 
He was not afraid to get involved with people and the messes that they had. But he also like knew what was his and what was not his to carry. Right? Jesus communicated through his actions, through his ministry, healing, deliverance from sin and oppression, forgiveness, restoration to society, his death and his resurrection, the commission that he gives his followers, and the gift of the Holy Spirit that he's given to every one of us. These are all clear communications of the deep, unending love of God for people, for you and me. And so, so here's the charge this morning. Here's why this series is important. Jesus said that the world would know that the Father sent him and that they were his disciples by their love, by our love for him, and by our love for one another. And that's the key, by our love for one another. John 13, 34 through 35, it says, Jesus is saying this, so I give you now a new commandment. Love each other just as much as I have loved you in the same way that I have loved you. When you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you are my true followers. In the same, same time, right after the, the, the Last Supper, Jesus is praying for his disciples in John 17. He's, he's asking the Father, he says, I'm not asking on behalf of these alone in John 17 but also for those who believe in me through their word. That's us, by the way. That's us. That we, that they, we, may be one in his love, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent. He continues, he continues on saying, although the world hasn't known you, I have known you, and I've shared you with my friends. I've made your name known. I'll make it known again. My prayer is that the love with which you've loved me may be in my people and I am them, and the world will see me and know me because of their love. That's his prayer to the Father for us. And here's the thing. God has chosen you to communicate his love to people. You know that? God has chosen you to communicate his love to people. When someone comes into this church, are they feeling the love of God? They should when they come here. You should feel it when you come here. That's what it's all about, Someone comes to visit this church, comes and spends time with us. Did they feel the love of God? Did they feel touched by his love? Did they sense it? Did they hear it? Did they, was it communicated to them? Was his love at work around them when they walked into the space? Was it communicated to them in, in, in our interactions with them and with each other? Go back and read how Jesus communicated. Read, read um, how in 1 John John talks about how God communicated his love through Jesus. Can the same things be said about, you know, when in our homes, in our workspace, in our and wherever we go, are we communicating God's love? Maybe we need to get back to the place where we're receiving his love for ourselves and being transformed by it. Maybe we need to unlearn what we've learned about how to communicate and how to have a maybe we need to have a fresh start, be born again in our, the ways that we communicate, you know? The Bible is full of advice for wise living and effective communication, openness and honesty. In the Proverbs and the different wisdom books and even in the book of James, it talks about the power of the tongue, right? Um, Paul talks about, you know, even if we're prophetic, even if we know all the mysteries, even if we speak in the tongues of angels, if we don't have love, what are we? At the best, just noisy people. We gotta have love. Are we communicating love? For the last sections in today's message, I just want to get us looking at, 
at how we communicate in our relationships. Get really focus in on some just practical things here. And then talk about, hopefully, three approaches to healthy communication. We're going to talk about, this is like an invite, it's a vitally important process in our relationships with one another. So let's just zero in real quick right now. We're going to talk practically about this stuff. And um, everybody okay? There's something that Danny Silk, if you've heard his name before, um, in his books and his messages about relationships, he talks about it. He calls it the communication dance. Communication dance because communication is a dance. It's, it's about moving together, right? We're moving together in communication. There's various ways of doing it, and some people are really good at it, and some people are like, get off me, dude. You're stepping on my toes, and other people are like, I don't want to dance with you, right? Like, and there's all kinds of different experiences that people have in, in communication because it's a place where we manifest respect. Communication is a place where we manifest respect in our process. So communication gets this tag as sometimes the number one problem in marriage relationships. When in fact, it's not communication that's the problem. Most people who are actually having a really hard time in their marriages or in their relationships are doing a fantastic job of communicating um, back and forth. It's just that the problem is that the level of disrespect that's coming out has toxified the environment so much, so badly that it's painful. Whether it's an exercise of silence or an exercise of rage or something in between the levels of disrespect communicated are polluting the environment and creating so much pain that people, you know, they, uh, they can't function. And they can't live in the same environment anymore. Right? Painful. So how do we communicate when we're hurting? How do we communicate when we're scared? How do we communicate when we don't know how to communicate? How do we cultivate respect through the communication process even though we're hurt and scared? I don't know. You've got to tell me. No. <laughs> And that's what we're going to talk about. Um, and we'll see how far we get on this. I am speaking next week about connection, and these two things go together really well. And then um, we'll continue talking in the series about different parts of this, but we'll see how far we get through today. Let's talk for a minute about the goal of communication, okay? The goal between two human beings in communication, because we have to have the same goal, right? We have to have the same goal. And most of us communicate for, for, for a couple reasons, right? either to convince or to agree. Communicate to convince or to agree. I'm just trying to get you to think like me. Right? I'm trying to get you to see what I see because I know as soon as you see what I see, then you're going to change your mind. And that's just my expectation. If you could see what I, could see, what I see, if you could just listen to me, then you'll change. You'll change your mind and somehow I'm expecting the magical powers of convincing to work through my communication until we agree. Because the goal of communication is to agree, right? And that's how we end up with five-hour conversations or arguments. Because the goal of communication is to agree, right? No. You guys argue for five hours at a time? Maybe? No? Yeah? No? Well, not all of you, because some of you just yield. I need to do that. <laughs> That's right. That's all right. No problem. Go ahead. No, it's all right. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Let's just do what you want to do. We'll do what you want to do this time. You obviously want this more than I do. We'll just do what you want to do. I don't care. Let's have Mexican. Yeah, let's have Mexican again. Right? <laughs> right? 
do that? No? Okay. We yield, right? Sometimes we yield. Just because we don't want to spend too much time on it. Whatever. The goal of communication cannot be to convince or even to agree. The goal of communication cannot be to convince or even to agree. Because in order to do that, if that's the goal, you have to have this very crucial piece that you will actually never have, and that is control of the other person. In order for, you, for your goal to, be con to convince, you must have control of the other person, and we're never seek to control the other person. Never. We're never, to control us, you know, never trying to control another person. And if you're doing that secretly to get your way, that's called manipulation. And that's bad. It's not good, right? It's not going to work out for you. Therefore, we need a new goal. We need the goal of our communication to be that we understand each other. Okay? That we understand each other. That I understand what's going on with you, and you understand what's going on inside of me. Even if we don't agree. Even if we have different perspectives. Communication is an effort to give you a clear understanding of what's happening inside here and in here. In our heart and in our brain, right? In our mind. Because you don't know until I tell you. I don't care how prophetic you think you are. You're not a mind reader, okay? I'm not a mind reader, okay? The very best way to find out what's going on with me is for me to tell you, okay? But if you love me, you know what's going on with me. Or I'm not a mind reader, so you got to tell me. It just seems like if you cared, you'd know these things. And since that's not working out, how about you tell me? Right? Right? Communication is all about putting on what's going on in the inside into words so that we not because you now know, because I told you, right? You have really good information on how to respond to me. Because without it, on a good day, you're guessing, and on a bad day, You've just become so discouraged that you're giving up, right? You're just like, forget it, right? So to sum that up, we need to learn as people how to send consistent messages to the people we're relating to and say, you matter to me. What you think, what you feel, what you need matters to me. Like, likewise, what I think, what I feel and need, it matters to me as well, and I require the same of you. I require that you value me, and I require that of myself, that I value you. So there's no victims, there's no opponents, right? We need to have the hard approach of, I care about you, I do love you. I don't know what's going on with you. I'm hoping you, you know what's going on with you. <laughs> and if you do know what's going on with you, maybe you can put it into words, and that's going to help both of us, because if I know what's going on with you, I can respond to your needs and your feelings to the best of my ability. We can work together to see those needs met. And what this does, it builds trust. You, we've expressed our feelings to one another. We've expressed what's going on in, stuff, in a way that now we can bring comfort to one another. And that's the cycle, right, that we learn with babies, okay? Babies express their needs to their environment, and they only really have one way, right? It's this noise. It's an obnoxious noise sometimes. And, uh, you know, it makes us... Uh, uncomfortable till we meet that need. So we'll try everything that we can to comfort that child and, and meet its need, and then we both feel better, right? <laughs> and this is how we, we bring, bring trust into a relationship. Needs are expressed. 
And there's comfort and satisfaction as a result of expressing our needs to our environment. And both are satisfied. When we begin to make the goal to understand each other, we have to learn now how to, to, under, to be understood and how to understand others. It's not something that people naturally know how to do. Most people try to keep themselves a secret because it's scary. Being vulnerable, making ourselves known requires intimacy, right? It requires having that practice of intimacy into me you see, right? Showing the deepest parts of inside of us and letting the people see those things even if, even if it's not great in there, right? We've got to value and understand one another. We want to come to a place where we feel like we can be ourselves, where we can show up, we can express who we are and find acceptance in relationships. We've got to value and understand, and especially when we disagree, so that that person can show up and literally begin to show, show me how they feel because their experience isn't my experience. And if I just think that their feelings or their opinions, we're going to have a war with the mind and heart. We don't want to do that. I just want to listen. I just want to understand. I want to make a safe place where you can show me your heart and I can show you mine. All right? So the... Just, there's a lot more to this thing. And in a couple of weeks, John's going to talk about how to navigate through conflicts and how to set up healthy boundaries in relationships. I don't have it figured out, okay? <laughs> you can ask my wife. You can ask Parker and Bree. You can ask Sarah Beth. You can ask some of my friends. They know. You can ask Johnny Kim. They know that I don't have this thing figured out, okay? <laughs> I have a long way to go. I have a lot to unlearn, like I said. But there's, there's certainly a great opportunity for transformation. We want to become equipped to respond in ways that will bring strength and comfort and intimacy. So the communication style that we're, we're after as people who are creating a safe and intimate space is being assertive, being able to send a message of what's going on with me and being able to listen to your message about what's going on with you. This is how we protect our healthy communication. Doing this is, a, is the healthiest style of communication. It's called assertive communication. Like I said, Jesus was excellent at this. Assertive communicators bring high levels of respect and responsibility and honor to their interactions with others because they hold this core belief, you matter, so do I. My thoughts, feelings, and needs matter, and so do yours. Assertive communicators are not afraid to show one another what's happening inside of them because they value those things. They value thoughts and feelings and needs. They take time to understand them and express them clearly and honestly. They also create a safe place for the other person to share their thoughts feelings and needs by listening well and working to understand them. They also do something else. Assertive communicators know how to respond when someone is not communicating assertively. Debbie talked about this a little bit last week. There are three basic styles of unhealthy, non-assertive communication. Each of them is disrespectful and irresponsible because it's mo they're motivated by fear and lack of value for thoughts and feelings and needs of self and others. So here's just a few pointers, again, practical things just to leave you with, and how to recognize these styles and respond to them assertively. The goal here is not, okay, is not to begin to label the person sitting next to you. Okay? That's not the goal here. And nor is it to overanalyze yourself, okay? It's not the goal here. The goal is, is growing, okay? So the first one, in unhealthy, is passive communication. Passive communicators attempt to convince the world that everyone else is more important than they are. 
their core belief is you matter and I don't. When faced with a joint decision in a relationship, a passive person insists that the other person's thoughts, feelings, and needs matter more than they believe their feelings and thoughts and needs are. And when they feel that they're being disrespected, they'll simply try to absorb it and move on. And as assertive people, as assertive communicators, you get to require of a passive person to have a voice in a relationship. That's what you get to do. To be involved in decision-making. To be honest about what they need. So here's some tips for inviting a passive person to become more assertive. Find a time to start a conversation when the passive communicator is, is most relaxed, not in the middle of conflict, or when a decision needs to be made. But clearly send the message, I care about what's happening on, on the inside of you, and I want to know more about it. Find out if the person is an internal processor. And if so, give them time to think about what they're thinking and put it into words. And set a time when you can discuss it again. That's really important, to, to find a time where you can discuss it again. Let them know that you won't make any decision that involved them without their input. Consistently ask them, what do you need? What do you need? The second one is aggressive communication. The aggressive communicator has a core belief that I matter and you don't. Aggressive communicators know how to get what they want. They're large and in charge because they are the biggest, loudest, and scariest people in the room. Right? Sometimes they're, they're also the most fun and charismatic person in the room, but in a way that lets everyone know that their thoughts, feelings, and needs are the only ones that matter. It can be difficult to enter a conversation with someone with this unhealthy style of communication for obvious reasons. It's no fun to be the target of their anger or their aggression or shut down by their huge ego. But aggressive people need to learn to let people around them be powerful. And in doing so, to open themselves up to the possibility of real relationship, to have a real relationship. But here's a few tips with dealing with an aggressive communicator. Set a firm limit by saying something like, I can only talk with you when you're being respectful. I can only talk with you when you're being respectful. After setting this limit, be prepared to walk away immediately from the conversation unless it returns to a respectful place. Okay? Remember, it's your job to say what you're going to do. It's not your job to control their behavior, force them to stop, or convince them to how damaging their behavior is to your connection. Be prepared to set limits more, on more than one occasion. If an aggressive communicator ever becomes harmful or dangerous, make sure to get assistance, get help. It's never okay to allow yourselves or others to be hurt or abused by someone unwilling to change destructive behavior. Okay? And the third one is our favorite, passive-aggressive communication, right? This is an unhealthy way of communicating. Passive-aggressive communicators' core belief is you matter. No, really, you don't matter. To your face, they passively say, oh, whatever you need, absolutely. Afterwards, they take out their unmet needs and hurt and feelings on you through insinuations, criticisms, accusations, and controlling behavior. In other words, they refuse to show you the truth about what's going on inside of them, and then they punish you for not knowing, okay? for responding to it, with the goal of manipulating you into running around trying to guess what they need. So just some, uh, this is progressive, er, sorry, passive-aggressive communication might be the hardest one to tackle. So here's some tips to let a passive-aggressive person know that, they, that you won't play their game. 
Let them know that you recognize manipulation when it's happening, and you won't respond to it. For example, I'm never going to be able to read your mind because I'm not you. So can we talk later when you choose to be responsible and tell me what's really going on? Refuse to play along with tactics involving other people. Passive-aggressive communicators are, are masters at telling someone one thing while giving other people another story. You don't have to answer to anyone else or defend yourself against lies. But when this happens, talk directly with the passive-aggressive person and to ask them what's really going on. Okay? So that's just some tips on, on how to, to, to navigate through that kind of thing. I'm not going to go anymore into that. But worship band, come on up. Got our time now. We'll go into next week deeper on connection and communication. But often our greatest challenge in becoming better communicators is learning to practice new tools, all right? That's the, that's the biggest challenge is practicing new tools, especially in our most intimate relationships, right? Where old habits die hard. But Jesus is our model. Love and respect is our goal. Okay, so I hope, hope it's been helpful. I, let's stand real quick as we get into worship. I'm going to pray. Jesus, like I, like I prayed earlier, help us. <laughs> we need you. You're the way. You're the truth. You're the life. You communicate so well, Jesus. I ask that you do it now, again in this room for each one of us. By your spirit, speak to us, God. Fill us up with your love until it's overflowing. God, begin the, the, the deep work of transformation in our hearts and see it through to the end like you promised. Bring healing to our relationships. Bring understanding. Bring love and intimacy, God. Bring value and honor back, God. Bring worth back. Teach us how to communicate, how to respect one another, God. Everywhere we go, we need you, God. So, so anytime during worship, we're going to have prayer ministers in the back to pray for you. I just want to encourage you anytime during worship to go back and receive prayer. Mark is going to share some, some specific points for ministry time as we go into worship. But again, just go, feel free to go back and receive prayer at any time.